which links in perfectly with what I want to talk about this morning, only briefly, because we're going to run over five weeks. Now, I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll try and get it into five weeks. We spoke about the fact that we, as a church, have uh, believed that God's led us to a point where we're saying that this is who we are. We are a church who know Jesus and love to make him known. So our vision statement, where we're going, is that we know in Jesus and making Jesus known. Knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So we know Jesus, and our heart's passion is that others will come to know him. And what we've done is we've taken that statement, and we've said, how will that look? And we've looked at uh, the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, what comes out are five Core values, that's how we've looked at it. We've said these are five core values. We're not the first to find these. These are multiplied across churches all over the world. And we've, we've just said, you know what, I think this is pretty key of how God is working with his church. And our core values have come out as these five uh, specific attributes. We're, we're a church where we're focusing on, these are things that we're going to focus on. And we're going to focus on the teaching Ministry. We're talking. We're going to focus on fellowship. We're going to talk about uh, uh, being a church that not only hears the word but does the word. Not only hearers are hearers of the word, but actually those who put it into practice. James says very clearly that faith without works is dead. So we have the faith in Christ, and we're going to put that into practice. That's the ministry side of things. So we're a church that focuses on 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 good, solid teaching. Fellowship, being together, ministry, caring for one another, using the gifts that God has given to us. Worship, that we are going to uh, put energy and effort and resources into being a church where worship is so God-centered that we find ourselves uh, captivated by his presence when we gather together. But not only in the corporate sense, but we'll be a worshiping people that we would have a countenance of worship over us. And the last point there is that we would be evangelistic, that everything that we have, we are looking to, to give away. We want people to come to know, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. So this week, I just briefly wanted to, to touch on, on the subject of the apostles' teaching. This is what they said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, the first question you have to ask yourself is, who is they? Well, the they are the 3,000 who have come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. We're reading in, in our Bibles from uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But if you go back a verse, it says, Those who accepted the message that the apostles te- taught, uh, that Peter preached, those who accepted the message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number. This is what it says here. 3,000 were added to their number. Who were they? They were people just like you and me. Normal, ordinary, everyday people who, for the first time, started to see the pieces of the jigsaw coming together. Many would have heard about the fact that God exists. Jerusalem is a time when, uh, the Pentecost period, when everybody was coming up to give thanks. We talked about that at Pentecost Sunday last week. And uh, therefore, they were devoted people. 
but they were devoted people with holes in their understanding of who God is and his call upon their lives. And as Peter stood up to preach, these people suddenly, under the presence of the Holy Spirit, were able to start putting the picture together and they realised that Jesus is Lord. For those people who managed to get to that place, the scripture says very clearly that they uh, were, well, this is it, it says that Peter told them to repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of the sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to them. They recognised that there's a step they needed to make, and a relationship they needed to have restored. The relationship that God desires for each and every one of us that we would be at one and united with him. So those are the ones that were devoted. Those are the ones who were gathering on that day, heard the message and responded to the message. They were the ones who started a journey of devotion. They were sincere about what they were wanting to do. They were people who recognised that from this point in time, everything changes. I remember myself when I gave my life to Christ. I was in a very small uh, bungalow. Well, actually, it was an extension on a garage. And, uh, and they'd converted it into a, um, like a bedsit, this place. It actually, actually, it was a place that Carol and I went for our honeymoon. So there you go. That was a great start. So the same place that I came to Christ was the place that I took my wife on honeymoon. Yeah. But we've managed 25 in a bit years, so we're doing okay. But I remember being in that place and being led to Jesus and sat on a sofa and just being aware that the room had a presence over it. Something was different. Where Doug, who was the guy who was, led me to Christ, was sat down on the floor at the time, and he said to me, Dave, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And I said, yes. He said, follow me in prayer. So I followed him in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing love for me. Thank you that I've come to understand how precious you see that I am. And I'm now aware how much I need you. But I recognise I've messed things up. I've led my life the way that I've wanted to lead it and I'm sorry for that. And I want to change. I want to turn around. I want to live a different life. Will you come and be my Lord? Forgive me of all the mess up I've made in the past. Walk with me into my future as my Lord and Saviour. Simple. Easy prayer, but a prayer that totally transformed my life to to such a point that I believe something so significant had happened that when I stepped outside of the house and I'm looking across this valley, this is down in, in Chudley in Devon, and I'm looking across this valley, and you know the green just seemed greener? The flowers in the person's garden where this annex was just looked brighter and more radiant. I sensed something had changed. 
Now, to be totally honest, I did expect there to be some writing in the sky that said something along the lines of, welcome, Dave, great to have you on team, something like that. But that, that didn't happen. But there was a, very much a sense that I was different, the time was different. And just like these who became the devoted followers, things were never going to be the same. How's that working for you? Are you what you were? Or are you allowing Holy Spirit to transform you and change you? You see, the moment that we give our lives to Christ, that's the, a step on a journey. But the journey needs to continue. And continuing the journey is the hard work. This is where it can be difficult. But this is what Holy Spirit is there to enable us and empower us to do, that we would be able to walk with him. So they were normal people, but normal people who've had an encounter with God, and the encounter with God has brought about the fact that life is now different. So it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves, okay? They were the ones who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what's all that about? What is the apostles' teaching? Well, it's really simple, because what we do is we start a journey, and we say, who are the apostles? What we recognize is the apostles are those who were with Jesus. I recognize an apostolic calling uh, comes to those who spend time with Jesus. In this instance, this is those, these are those who were with Jesus as he was on earth 2,000 years ago. But today, I find myself at times amongst people, I would say, carry an apostolic anointing. They are devoted to Christ. They are immersed in his presence. And because they are immersed in their presence, they carry a countenance of his very being on them. They speak with wisdom and clarity into situations that they could only know about because God has spoken to them through Holy Spirit directly. But in this situation, we are recognizing that the apostles are those who were with Jesus. The word apostle means a sent one, a, a messenger, one who goes ahead. Sometimes the, the scripture talks about apostles as being uh, pioneers, the forerunners. And to have an apostolic ministry means that you are one who, uh, you're a fire starter. But the thing about the apostolic ministry is that it always comes and is bedded in on the original apostles' teaching. We know some of what that is because of what Peter preached to those who were gathered on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And as he shared with those who were there, he said, this is what you need to do. You need to repent, be baptised. That's the calling of the apostle to all people. We need to turn around and change our lives. We need to have our sins forgiven. We need to be baptized. That's a calling for anybody here. 
as you walk with Jesus? Whereabouts are you in your baptism journey? Has it happened? Was it yet to happen? So the apostles, those who've been with Jesus, are now speaking to people who are not able to see Jesus because he's no longer here. Just as we're no longer able to see Jesus because he's no longer here. Yet we have his Holy Spirit with us. So they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So why did they do that? Well, but partly to, there's a lot of stuff that's got to change. You see, and the more committed and focused we are about seeing that change happen, the more the likelihood is that we will change. I, I remember at times in my journey with, with God that I, I was envious of people who knew more than me. Who understand, stood the things of God better than I did. And then I realised, it's very simple, they just spent more time with him than I did. So it was about, what am I going to do to put myself in a place where I can learn more of my saviour? So they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves so that they could get rid of uh, wrong ideas, I suppose, in one sense. Because unless we know the stuff of uh, the word of God, of the apostles' teaching, then we'll have all sorts of confusing stuff going on. The Bible's really quite clear about how we should live our lives. And as we find ourselves immersed in the Word of God, we can see changes coming over our lives as we take on those things that the Word of God is telling us. This is what the psalmist writes. He says that your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your Word. This is the Word of God. You see, but unless we open it, the light doesn't come on. Unless we peruse it, read it, meditate upon it, then it's not the lamp. You see, the light picture I always get is that the word of God will give us direction that we'll see into the distance. And the lamp is that bit about every day living our Christian life. The lamp sort of shines locally, our local proximity, the things that we do. I need the word to give me guidance here, but I also need the word to give me vision into the future. So devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching aspect of what we're called to as a, as a church, means that we are a people who know where we're going and how to live our lives in the present right here right now. The Apostles' teaching helps us to make wiser decisions, helps us to align ourselves with what God's best is, and enables us to grow in grace and our knowledge and understanding of God. You see, as we spend time in God's word, we get to know who we are as well as who he is. But on top of that, we get to know what we are meant to do as well. There's so many things that we struggle with and we wonder through, should I be doing this or shouldn't I be doing this? But if we got a full grasp and an understanding of God's word, then decisions become, just to put it flippantly, no-brainers. So our friend has a stroke. He finds himself uh, hospitalised, unable to speak, vision gone, 
paralysis all down his right side. We keep up to date with how he's doing in hospital and little by little we hear uh, of slight improvements and and a move from hospital into a a rehabilitation centre. And I get this real sense as I'm praying for Dan and for Marcy and for the family that we need to be there. We need to lay hands on this man and we need to pray. There are other people there praying and laying hands on him. Of course there are. But there was something stirring in us that said, you need to go. For a moment, you start to work out the practicalities and all that sort of stuff. But actually, at the end of the day, there's no excuse because God said go. So Carol and I jumped on a plane on Tuesday, flew to America, walked in to the rehabilitation centre without them having any idea we were coming. That was a shock. Laid hands on them and prayed. We spent two days in America this last week. Two days because we knew that God said go. We were aware that God was saying that presence is important. As we flew back from America... Dan is sent home. The speed of his recovery has escalated beyond what anybody at the rehab center was expecting. He's walking. He's talking. He's seeing. He sees a little bit blurry. But he's seeing. He is on a miraculous road to recovery. And Carol and I would both say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be part of that. But you see, unless we were in the word, unless we knew that this is what God says, it says that uh, at the end of Mark's gospel, I I don't think I'll put this up, but Matthew, Mark, Mark, Luke, right, so it's the second gospel. And at the end of Mark's gospel, it says this, it says, this is, these are the signs that, that uh, will accompany those who, who believe. And, it says something really simple that along the lines of, this is what you'll do. You will lay hands on the... He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes is baptized, will be saved. Whoever does not believe, go there. And those signs, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison that will not harm them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's the mandate for followers of Christ. I'm not so hot on the old snake stuff. Don't have a lot of snakes over here. But it was a reality 2,000 years ago. Uh, Poison. You don't want poison in your life, but... I see every act of the enemy that brings sickness and disease over people as poison. And we're to eradicate that. And the only reason we know that that's the mandate for us as believers is because I read it in the Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and failed themselves in the Word so that the Word could become a reality. Do you know what the word is releasing you to? Now, we jumped on a plane. We flew over. And I tell you, what was it? So when you get to the airport, it's some silly o'clock in the morning. And the first thing that they tell you is that they've cancelled your flight. 
don't know how that works, but um, they just said, okay, your plane isn't going to go. Okay, fine. But there'll be another one in two hours. You see, when you don't fly very often, you don't realize that these are just big taxis with wings. They're just, you know, flying all the time. But here's the lovely thing that God does. He takes us from economy and he bumps us up to economy plus because we've had to wait. When we came back, we ended up being put in crew seats. Well, crew seats are the ones with extra leg room and seats that almost go flat so that the crew can have a kip. Come on. God is good. But between flying out and flying back, we spent time with the family. We loved on these amazing people who were dealing with a difficult situation. And we were able to join with others and lay hands on Dan and pray. Pray for healing. Would you just continue with us as we pray to see him fully restored? But the key on it all is that we know to do that because it's in the word of God. So how do we get devoted? Just very quickly, I'll just pick up some points about devotion. Praying. We talked about prayer already today. Spending time with God. Listening as well as speaking. Whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whether you're lying down, whether you're walking, whether you're driving your car, remembering not to close your eyes when you're driving. But praying. You see, God desires that we would have a relationship with him that is living. And one of the beautiful things that we have is the the gift of speech. And conversation is living. We communicate and God wants to communicate with us. And we're called to communicate with him. Being devoted means we spend time in his presence. Being devoted also, we're mindful that that there's humility needed. James reminds us in uh, verse 19 of the first chapter of his book, my dear brothers, take note of this, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, one of the things that I find when I, I find myself devoted and pressing into God and getting to know what he wants, he sometimes tells me to do something I don't want to do. I don't know if anybody ever finds that. You might find that God says that you should stop doing something that you've been doing. And what happens is that I want to argue with it. I want to come against that. I want to say, but Lord, you don't know my circumstances at the moment, my personal situation. You don't understand that. So you've got to give me a bit of slack. And actually what I need to do is come with humility to God. Because when God puts his finger on something, what he's doing is he's given us an opportunity to come up higher. If you deal with this... I can release you into the next thing I've got for you. But if you don't deal with this, then you're going to go round and around and around. And I think I find a lot of Christians who are going round and around and around. You may have remembered uh, that Peter came and spoke here back last year. Peter's over in Uganda. This uh, Sunday coming... Pastor Robert from the same uh, fellowship in Mitiana, Uganda, is coming to join with us. And uh, we're going to have a great Sunday. Not every Sunday is a great Sunday, but Robert's just cool. At the moment, they've got a crusade going on, and they're uh, reaching out to people in Mitiana. So he'll have many tales of people whose lives have been transformed by God. But Peter sent a video yesterday, and on this video, he was sharing a story of the children of an elderly lady, it was their grandmother, or great-grandmother in some sense, the children were going every day and spending an hour walking to the well, 
picking up water and coming back. Walking to the well and coming back. The thing about it is, a video was uh, of Peter walking with them and it speeded up so that you could see the whole journey. But the thing about it is, is the journey is on a well-worn track. A well-worn track. There is no plant life on that track. It is flat and it is clear because every day hundreds of people walk that track. And the thing about it is, is God wants us to walk on a well-worn track of the apostles' teaching, the understanding of the word of God, that we wouldn't find ourselves going here, there, and everywhere. And the thing about not going here, there, and everywhere is that we are humble enough to hear what he's saying and not fight against it, but align ourselves with it. It goes on in, in James's uh, letter, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The fruit that God wants to give us through his word is going to bless us. Nothing is going to be to bring us down, it's to lift us up. Does anybody else want lifting up today? I do. And that's what the word of God brings for us. So we approach it with humility. The next one we pick up on is, do it with others. They devoted themselves. So it wasn't just one or two. There was a huge crowd of people. They devoted themselves. We're working towards uh, not only gathering here on a Sunday together, but we're working, how can we divide ourselves up so that we can meet in the week? And we're putting the last little bits and pieces together for our life groups. And there'll be sign-up sheets soon so that uh, you can sign up to say, do you know what, I want to be part of this. Because I want to travel with my brothers and sisters on this amazing journey that God has got for us. The book of Hebrews says this, that we are to not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. When Jesus is coming back, we believe that. He is coming back. But until he comes, let's be together. Let's journey together. Let's spend time together. Let's get into the word together. Let's uh, enjoy not only having what you believe God has said to you for yourself, but you're able to share that with others that will build others up. And this is, there's an apostolic anointing over this as well, because... As people come together who are spending time with Jesus, there is a, I don't know if you've ever read that bit in the Bible, it says, where two or three are gathered in my name. Do you remember that bit? What happens? He's there. So when you gather in a small group, in a life group context, it's another opportunity for two or three or four or five or six together, to gather and acknowledge he's there you have another opportunity to experience the very presence of Jesus. Do it together. The other thing to pick up there, meditation. This is something that I, I love to do, and this is where I, I spend my time when I start my day in my, in my study. Delight yourself in the law, and on the law, meditate day and night. You take hold of God's word, and I read the word, and then I read the word, and then I read the word, and then I read the word. And then I put the word down and see if I can't say the word, repeat the word, and allow it to permeate. When I was in farming, I always remember the biology lessons that we had, specifically with regard to animals, and, the, and then there's the rum, ruminants. 
So the ruminants are those animals that have more than one stomach. Cows have four. So you've got four separate stomachs. But he starts off with the first stomach is called the rumen. The thing about the rumen is that it has this reflux action that once stuff has gone down in it, it started to uh, ferment and then it pushes it all back up again. So the cow gets its meal twice. So it eats the grass, chews it, sends it down to the rumen, and in the rumen it has a slosh around with some juices to help it digest, and then it comes back up again for a second chew. I was thinking to myself, that would really work well, wouldn't it? Because you, you don't have to eat half as many meals, because you get it twice. But there you go. So, so we've got the rumen, and before the food can go from the rumen into the reticulum, and then the omason and the abomason, and then on out, you, you have this time, this time where things are fermented, Wait on the Lord with his word. Meditate on the Lord with his word. And you'll get more out of it. The whole thing about the digestive system of a cow is there's not a lot of good stuff in grass. But they get the maximum out of it because they chew it and then they digest it and they chew it again and they digest it and they chew it again and they digest it. If you want to get the most out of the word of God, that's something that needs to happen. Spend time in the Word. Don't read vast amounts all the time. It's always good to get a full overview. Read the whole of Mark's Gospel, but then start going through it little bit by little bit and start to ruminate and meditate. Think about these things. That's what devoted to the Word is. And the last point here is with thanks and praise. You see, even when the Lord puts his finger on something that we need to do something about, we give thanks. Because I know that this is always God's best for me and will also be God's best for you. When I draw to a close of my personal devotions, I always come to a conclusion that this was good. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes when I close the word of God and, and, and I finish that portion of time of the day um, that I set aside for that, I I've sometimes have scratched my head and thought, I wonder what that was all about. But then later on in the day, it's amazing how God starts to bring back to your memory stuff that you read earlier that suddenly comes into context and is exactly what you need which brings about an opportunity to give thanks. Thank you, Lord. I'm pleased to be in your presence, and I'm so excited that you are speaking to me. This is what the Word of God reminds us to do, to be a people who delight ourselves in the Lord. We find that the Word of God, again, is the lamp and the light. It is food that nourishes so as a church, we've got five core values. We're saying, what are our five core values? The first one is the teaching, the apostles' teaching. We're a church that's foundation is on the word of God, the living word. It's not a dead book. It's a living word. It has everything in it for us. We'll get some good teaching. We'll get some good study. But more than anything else, we'll find ourselves drawing closer to God, more aware of his call upon our lives, and the destiny that he has for us for the future. This coming week, here's a challenge. Read the Bible. Start reading the Bible. 
not just the notes that come with your everyday readings, but actually read the scriptures too. Open up one of those 66 books and start to read. Pray over it. Say, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. Find a shift in the way that we are that we wouldn't just be casual glances but find ourselves drawn by God to be devoted, devoted followers. Stand together. Stand. The psalmist reminds us, how sweet are your words to my taste. Psalm 119. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Allow me to lead you in prayer. Lord, forgive us where we have not found ourselves nourishing ourselves on your word. Forgive us, Lord, for those times that where we have felt your word has been uh, bitter or in some way inedible. Would you give us, Lord, a fresh revelation of what it is to be a people of your word, devoted to your teaching, committed to following every word that you say that we are to follow. Would you transform our times with the Bible, Lord, in in a new way from today? May we find the words become like honey on our lips. That we would hear you with a clarity that we haven't heard for a long, long time. Help us, Lord, to be a receptive people who respond to what you are calling us to do. Even if that response is uncomfortable. For we know, Lord, that your best is always in your heart for us. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. Just as those 2,000 years ago had the apostles who were able to teach with clarity. We thank you that Jesus has left with us, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray as we open the word of God. Help us to understand the words on the paper that they will be transformed through our minds into our hearts and out of our bodies into action for your honour and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing. Remembering how gorgeous and great and lovely and amazing and awesome Our God is.